This is Adventures in Podacy. I'm Jeffrey Lawton. I'm trying something different this week. I'll be presenting two different podcasts with a thematic link. They both share the theme of history, but they approach it from two very different angles. I'm not promising I'll do more than one podcast every single week, but this week it seemed appropriate. Tell me what you think about it in email or Twitter. Dan Carlin's hardcore history is huge. In fact, it's so big that every time I tried to pull sound bites from it, it crashed my computer. So I apologize if I don't have as many as I normally would. Hardcore History is a history show that's not just about events and figures. Dan Carlin views history as an interconnected system. He believes there are no great men who do great things, merely people reacting to the social and political forces of their time. He explains how the forces of global politics work to shape what comes to be known as history. For example, this clip, where he talks about World War I and its role in causing World War II. Maybe it would have been better for European culture, civilization, standards, their golden age, if you will, if the Germans had just won this war quickly. You would have had sort of a changing of the guard of the great powers, the Germans moving into a more prominent position. Remember, they're a new country, only about 44, 45 years in existence, and they've been moving up the you know, power chart ever since with a bullet, as they say in radio, but it works here too. Maybe this just seems like a natural progression of things. And if you could save all the casualties that we know are coming in a multi-year-long carnage fest, which we'll get to later, and maybe save countries from communism and Nazism, maybe prevent a second world war and a cold war after that. I mean, the dominoes that fall, if you talk about this war maybe ending here, well, you can play that game forever, can't you? But you can see, knowing how bad it's going to get and how bad it already is, why some historians have wondered how anything, you know, wouldn't be better than what they're going to experience. If you're French, you may say to yourself, we would never have wanted to live under the German boot. You know, victory was all important. Yeah, but what if you could have all those Frenchmen who die in the rest of the story back? What if you can avoid the Second World War? I mean, when does it become worth it? Like I said, hardcore history is huge. The episodes release unfrequently, but when they do release are often between two and three hours. It's really not unlike listening to a well-read audiobook. I know that there being a lot of something isn't necessarily a case for it being good, but in this case it's fantastic to see the way that he weaves these stories together. Even though he's tackling issues of global political history, he does it in a way that's still relatable. It's vividly narrated and well-structured, and always looks below the surface of what's going on. Ultimately, Hardcore History is a meditation on history through the lens of the human condition, and I definitely think that it's worth checking out. The Memory Palace is more or less the opposite of Hardcore History. His submarine had sunk. He had taken on three British destroyers at once, which had turned out to be at least two too many. Two of his men had been killed, the rest captured. And now, in the summer of 1943... Captain Jürgen Wattenberg was one of 1,700 Nazi prisoners of war in a camp 6,000 miles away from his home in the chilly port city of Lubeck in the Baltic Sea, in the middle of the Arizona desert, wilting in the heat. Things were going great. Also, his men were loving the volleyball. 
Each episode is a short and surprising true story from a different time in history. It's a show about a moment in time, about the way it feels or looks or smells. If hardcore history is an epic poem, the Memory Palace is haiku, describing a very specific place or event, not about where it fits in human history, but what that specific moment feels like. You could go to Dreamland. You just caught the ferry at 23rd Street or the Battery. Or slog your way through the slow crawl of horse carts and motor cars, heading south on Shell Road in the golden light of a late June afternoon, down to the edge of the Atlantic, where a white city rose up above the brick and ash of Brooklyn. And you could walk through the fake marble gates as the sun went down, and the sea flashed amber and then gray, and Staten Island disappeared into the shadows and the light grew dim enough for you to fool yourself that the marble wasn't fake at all. And then the bulbs blinked on. A million of them, lighting up the night in the largest amusement park in the world, which was a hell of a thing to see, just a few years after you'd seen your first electric light at all. And after you'd spent a 12-hour day in some basement room or some windowless factory floor, stitching sleeves or packing boxes, fitting fingers to gloves by gaslight. It'd be a hell of a thing even now. For me, the Memory Palace is so successful because it reminds us that the people in every historical situation were people. Host Nate DeMeo encourages us to care about history by putting us in those people's shoes. It's history told through empathy. The Memory Palace is about letting you live a moment in history. You should check it out. You've just heard Adventures in Podacy. I'm Jeffrey Lawton. My goal is to give you a new podcast to check out every single week. Do you have comments or suggestions? Please email me inpodacy at gmail.com or use the Twitter at inpodacy. I'd like to give a shout out to Benview for his suggestion that I check out Comic Nerds Unite, which I'll listen to soon. And also to Murph Murphy of the Dork Knight Show and Tyler Crumrine of Ninjas vs. Podcast for shoutouts on their shows. Thanks, guys. It means a lot. Finally, if you need to find us on the web, it's podacy.wordpress.com. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.